Today, we have Christina Algeciras on the show. She's a therapist and yogi, and her voice is going to soothe the heck out of you. Trust us, you're going to get your OM on without even realizing it. Like a sparrow building shelter with branches for its young. My mother built a nest with love for her little ones. My grandfather told her, doesn't matter what you have. The only thing you need for life is each other's helping hands. Never the emptiness, my mother always says. Spread your wings and fly, you can always come back to rest. Never And welcome to Never the Empty Nest. I'm Vanessa. I'm Jackie. I'm Nicole. Oh, <laughs> why are you laugh? Because we said it. Me and Mom said it at the same time. No, no, you're good. You guys are good. Okay. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> and today, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> no, don't worry. And today we have an amazing guest, Christina Algeciras, who is a psychotherapist. Did I get that right, Christina? You did. For teens, tweens, and adults, am I right to say mostly women, or is that wrong? No, that's right. Okay. That's right. And also a yoga instructor and yogi. And this is true. All around peaceful person. Oh. Spreads really good vibes because I was mad at my mom when I walked in here, and now I feel much better. <laughs> <laughs> and you can say why I was mad at you, mom. She was mad because it's obviously my fault. I take, I assume, full responsibility, but we always do the podcast at three o'clock, and today was at two o'clock because we have the special guest, and uh, we had to drive longer today than usual, and in my head, I thought, she said, I'll be... I'll pick you up at a little before one. And, and I, since she always wants to be so early, I thought it was okay. She thought I was two hours early. Exactly. I'm like, <laughs> which is, I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, that's insane. So uh, then all of a sudden she has. Well, because this is what happened then. Then she's like walking like a snail, literally all around the house. Because I thought we had and two then hours. And we go get gas. I'm like, mom, do you have to put gas now? Or the whole tank like that. And she's like, la-di-da, taking out the gloves and the gas tank. And then she doesn't like me to pressure her. So I was just like, okay, I'm just going to suck it up and swallow that we're going to be late. <laughs> and then she said I had a, a, a shit face. Yeah. Yeah. And then I explained that we were going to be very late. And she was like, what do you mean? We're super early. And then we understood what was happening. <laughs> oh, my God. So you didn't know until we were in the car on the way? Nope. Nope. Oh. Yep. Okay. Because you know she doesn't like us to rush her. So I was swallowing <laughs> I it, but it was and showing my up mom, on my face. Later in life, my mom has become a super turtle. And then she also go dilly-dallies for five hours before leaving the house. I went to Montessori last night and it was everything about slower is better. Yes. One yeah. at a time. Yeah. Well... Whatever. Let's just... <laughs> Vanessa's like, that's not how I roll, okay? But that's how the expert rolls. I can see her little eye. I, I think yeah. we should we should now open it up yes. to the expert and see how, how your day has been. And I can see already that you have cards for us. I'm so excited. I do have cards. 
So how are you? I'm really good. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you so much. I love your podcast. I listen to every episode. And I get teary in every episode, too. Oh, I love it. This is super exciting. And what cards do you have? So I was introduced to these divine feminine oracle cards. Ooh. I know. I already like this. I know. So I thought, let's bring these because, you know... This kind of started out of a conversation or a text yes. about intuition. And I was like, let's, yep. let me bring my cards. That is awesome. Yeah. So uh, we can pick a card. I oh, love this so a collective much. card. Let's a collective see. card. How do we do this? Yeah. I'll just like pick, pick one. one for you guys. Okay. Unless you guys want to get up. No, no, you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. We can have Matt pick it. <gasps> That would be even better. Do it. Yeah, let's Matt, do it. our Matt producer. It for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it. All right. Who's the only one that said, no worries? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Okay. Oh, wow. He picked the Black Madonna. <gasps> yes. Our Lady of the Hermits. Oh. (laughs) I transform pain and suffering into a greater capacity to love. So I'm going to read the little blurb, if you don't mind. Please. Yeah, please. So who she is. The Black Madonna represents the power we all have to emerge from the darkness transformed. There are over 500 Black Madonnas throughout Europe. Historians believe that many of the icons are actually of the Egyptian goddess Isis and her son Horus, which were carried over from Egypt during the Crusades. Mm. Other icons of the Black Madonna are meant to represent earth goddesses and are worshipped for the fertility (laughs) (laughs) fertility miracles attributed to them. She is often depicted holding the royal scepter of a ruling monarch. Mm-hmm. Jungian psychologist Marion Woodman believes that the Black Madonna represents a new awareness or consciousness towards the earth and our bodies. She represents the wisdom we can only accrue when we go through the often painful fires of transformation. In her book, The Pregnant Virgin, mm-hmm. Woodman relates that only the intensity of the fire can unite body and soul. The Black Madonna helps us become conscious of the spirit in matter, of the light in the dark, of the intersection of sexuality and spirituality. Awesome. Mm. Wow. This particular Black Madonna resides in the Benedictine Monastery mm-hmm. in... Einsiedlen, Switzerland. <gasps> oh my! Where God. I have been, P.S. Yes. Oh my God! Well, because you are half Swiss and half Cuban. I'm a Swubin. That's Swubin. Right. You're That's a Swubin. That's a very exotic it. combination. It's let me tell rarely you, seen. Rarely seen and very confusing in the mind. We have to talk about that <laughs> for sure. <laughs> the Abbey is dedicated to Our Lady of the Hermits because the chapel where she resides was originally the hermitage of St. Meinrod, a 9th century hermit. Einsiedlen is the birthplace of renowned alchemist Paracelsus. I think I'm saying that right. (laughs) Alchemy, 
is a physical process of transforming base metals into unalloyed gold, which represents a spiritual and metaphysical process of burning away all obstacles to just be the soul. The Black Madonna is loved for having been through the fire of loss and for emerging with a greater capacity to love. Every afternoon for hundreds of years, the monks of the, uh, of the abbey come out from meditation to sing Salve Regina to Our Lady of the Hermits. So when your soul selects her card, I'm going to paraphrase here. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to feel like it's that we're coming in like rocks, but we're leaving like gold <laughs> from this podcast. Because it's all about <laughs> transformation. Yes. yes. It's all about transformation. So for millennia, actually, I'm going to read it because it's really well written here. So for millennia, the body, the earth, and all forms of matter have been devalued and misunderstood. The dark has been so vilified, yet all life emerges from the pitch black womb. The darkness is potential. It's the crucial and elemental stage we must all go through to create new or more life. The black Madonna is the emblem of deep wisdom. The profound consciousness that is inherent in all things. All living and created things are energy. The body has wisdom. The earth has wisdom. And the pain we experience as humans contains deep wisdom. When we are in the fires of suffering, it can be difficult to trust that gold is being forged. It can be hard to trust when we are in terrific pain that there is a process at work that will make us more authentic, more alive, and infinitely freer. It can be almost impossible to accept or notice the presence of the divine when we are at our most human. The Black Madonna is the cauldron that holds us steadfastly as we endure the alchemy of integrating more soul into our existence. She is the promise that what doesn't survive the fires of suffering was never meant for us. And she is the presence that there is with us, even when we might feel the most alone, reminding us that there is no darkness we cannot enter without being met by love. That's amazing. That's so amazing. And Mm -hmm. also, I feel like we all are like, (laughs) (laughs) I know. I feel so tuned and relaxed. I have little found for me because we went to Italy in 2019 and we went to, we were going to Venice and Mm -hmm. because of those amazing floods, yeah, um, (laughs) we, we just couldn't go. We couldn't get there. So our, our travel agent uh, rerouted us to Norcia, which is this tiny little town, uh, somewhere in the North of Italy, I Mm -hmm. think. And, um, before going to Florence, and we stayed there for two or three days. It was like a retreat because that's uh, where I think where St. Benedictine was born. Wow. There, and uh, there was an earthquake there that shattered the town, the, 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 the uh, cathedral. It's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's one of the most wonderful places that I have ever been, and uh, there's the Benedictine monks had to move from their um, monastery monastery into a temporary monastery, mm-hmm. and but they do the vespers every day in the morning and at night. So we went at night, and everything was black. 
Mm. I love vespers. Okay, mm. everything was dark, mm -hmm. only with a few candles, but very dark. Wow. And I had this whole, when you were reading all of that, I mm. was like transported there. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh my God, because it was an amazing experience. And then having the monks come in mm -hmm. and uh, and sing their vespers, it was amazing. Now there's a whole new light mm. yeah. to this. And you know, while you're saying that, I'm thinking of the most amazing cathedral I've ever been to, which is a temporary cathedral mm. in Christchurch, I think, um, oh, New wow. Zealand. And what happened was that they had an earthquake right. and it totally destroyed their cathedral. Um, and then they built one out of essentially recycled bull materials, like wow. sustainable, temporary. But it's so beautiful and it's just like the need of having to restructure this mm. triangular space where people gather mm -hmm. like I, it, I feel like I kept thinking like that came out of the fire mm -hmm. and that space of union it was really it's mm -hmm. it's really to me one of the most amazing places I've been and Ignacio kept asking me like what's the big deal he didn't get it he likes like the <laughs> <laughs> but I really I, I was really moved by it well, it's a, it is really yeah. that rebuilding. How does one yeah. like that 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 struggle, that light out of the dark, mm -hmm. you know, and that re restructuring, recalibrating after your invention yeah. and your your life has kind of been like this <laughs> right because when i met you and yeah. um, we all know christina in in various ways right because mm -hmm. um we nikki and i went to the same school right as you but then your sister who's mm -hmm. a good friend mm -hmm. my good friend was in my class right and we do a bunch of cuba stuff together mm -hmm. but then we, you and I, Christina and I, became really good friends at a point where we were both single and dating. And there yes. was a terrible... Do you remember that? <laughs> oh, I do remember. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> did, did you share terrible date stories? Oh, yes. I think so, yes. And, and I actually... I think Vanessa is... I mean, I'm not ashamed to say I met my, my partner of seven and a half years on Tinder. And yep. it was Vanessa... That encouraged me. She's like, go on Tinder. <gasps> I did not know this. Story, this part yes, of the story. Yes. I love it. And I was like, ew, no, that's all like, <laughs> like you know, like, like booty calls. Booty calls. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah. no, 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 I'm not into that right now. And she's like, no, I've met some really interesting people. And I believe we were even sitting at the corner. I remember that because we were doing like yoga and teaching the kids at the yes, homeless exactly. shelter. Exactly. Um, and then we would go over and yes. have drinks and yes. share, you know, like battle stories right. of dating. Exactly. And <laughs> battle scars. I went on Tinder and met my, my lovely man. Yep. And um, that was all she wrote. We both met our people. Mm -hmm. Like our, yeah. I feel like life yeah. partners yeah. at that moment. Yeah, we there did. was something to that that particular moment. Yeah, and what I also remember is that you were going from one space in your life into another, mm -hmm. and you went back to school, and you yeah. were doing a bunch of, you know, can you talk about that? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> Where to begin? Yeah, I had in a nutshell. My first attempt at college, I went to like a design school in Miami and it wasn't the right fit for me. 
I ended up working in a family business that was challenging. (laughs) And I did that for about five years. And that was in the logistics industry, transportation. And (laughs) yes, wow, what a departure. (laughs) And through that, I ended up working in New York and working in a way that I fried myself. I really did. I I spent a lot of time working and didn't kind of have the, not the quality of life or satisfaction with what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I left that job in 2007. Um, I was 31. So I was really, I was reinventing. I was starting over at 31. Mm-hmm. Um, I traveled. I like took a sabbatical, traveled to Asia, went back to New York and was temping in the financial sector. Mm-hmm. And then we had the recession. Yeah. 2008. Yep. And um, I wasn't getting work and I didn't want to go back to what I had been doing. So I did move back to Miami, did a yoga training because I had been doing yoga. I I kind of say that like it's the longest relationship I've had in my life, (laughs) you know, it was like on and off for a long time, but it was something that I always kind of came back to and was, yeah, somehow part of my life, yoga, meditation, sort of a spiritual inquiry, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That that kind of diving deep since I was a teenager. Yeah. So I came back to Miami. I did a teacher training. I did a children's yoga teacher training right after. And the following day, literally the, the children's training finished on the Sunday. On the Monday, I was teaching in the summer camp of your guests of last week. This is crazy. We just found out that she was teaching in Marina and Marta Trujillo's was it my family summer camp? My family, my family summer, summer camp. camp. I, yeah. I just love we're how Lily. we're all connected. Souls yeah. travel together. Yeah, totally. They do. Totally. Where Lily found refuge. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that was the sweetest story. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So with that, you know, I did that for a few years. I was still trying to kind of like find my feet. What are the next steps for me? Um, because I didn't find that teaching was sustainable from a, sort of a long term mm-hmm. yeah. perspective. So I went to therapy mm-hmm. and in the therapy, I discovered, wow, this is really helpful. I really like this. And I always like having substantial conversations with mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a dinner party person, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's that's who I am. Yeah. Um, I love her. <laughs> I love you guys, too. <laughs> Is, can I ask you a question? Yeah, please. Is... And this might be controversial. Is yoga a form of therapy or is that such a wrong thing to say? You know what? I think that I can only speak to my own experience. I feel that it helped in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. but I got to a point where I was kind of like in a space where it's like, I can do this, meaning this yoga, meditation, taking courses, reading self-help, blah, blah, blah. I can do this from here until the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm not kind of untangling and unhooking 
and processing some of the things that I need some support with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I always kind of, as as a yoga instructor, I always feel like, listen, yoga can be whatever it is that you want. Yoga can be, you want to stretch, it can be really good for that. You want to work out, it can be really good for that. You want to, you know, whatever. You want to kind of go more into yourself, it can be really good for that too. But I do think that one has to kind of think about these things. I don't know if common sense is kind of what I'm trying to say the term, but there's a term called spiritual bypass. Mm -hmm. Spiritual bypass is essentially like how cults happen, Mm -hmm. right? Where you have somebody who is maybe in a certain stage of spiritual development Mm -hmm. that is very... I don't want to say advanced because it's not a race, but you know what I mean? It's like they're engaging in the world in a different way. But in other developmental stages, they are arrested in their development. Okay. So that's how you have people like, I mean, this is not controversial because there's plenty of press on it. People like Bikram who, Mm -hmm. you know— have been convicted of yeah crimes yeah you know yeah 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 so i don't know if that that does your it question. does it does you know does. you have to kind of with anything i think you have to kind of look at it and not follow anybody or anything blindly yeah I mean, I really do think this goes back to our intuition conversation and so many like go seek an expert conversations about the nest of like part of it is what you have and what you can get to. And then sometimes you need some help. Yeah. You need a professional to to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So then in in seeking help, Mm -hmm. you were like, this is amazing. Yeah. And I just, it resonated with me and I kind of also, you know, in my own professional path as a yoga instructor, I found that I, I mean, we did that video. You remember? <laughs> Which video was this? Girls oh my Club project. Oh, that yes. You did. This was a, a thing I did for a residency. Yes. Right. Where um, I interviewed a bunch of um, awesome women. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you were on it. And it yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so we're great many other awesome people like in theater and screen and all all visual arts all yeah. kinds of things but yeah so you were going to say something about yeah, what no you... but basically even then which was i don't remember when that was but that was quite some time ago yeah that was like before 2015 i want to say like around there yeah yeah and uh, my idea is always like i want to help people have tools to deal with the difficulties of life. Yeah. Bottom line, like as simple as that. So yoga can offer that. But I also felt like as I'm teaching and I'm working with children, I'm working with adults, there are things emerging in my work with people that I don't have the knowledge this is at that moment at when that you were moment. teaching yoga. Yeah. And, and also, yeah, kind of like looking, what is my future direction yeah, look yeah. like, you know? And I'm like, I don't have the knowledge to kind of 
handle this? Mm -hmm. You know, how does one kind of deal with this and understand these things and help on a deeper level? That's kind of what I felt. So between that, between my own therapy, I was like, okay, you know, I never finished my undergrad. So I was like, all right, we're going to do this. And I had a lot of trepidation and anxiety and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I went back and I finished my undergrad with the expressed purpose of going for my master's and with the express purpose of having my own practice to work with people and and yeah. here you are and here I am and here you are and it's yep. been a long road yep. yeah and how was going back to school you know how old were you when you decided to it was like mid-30s or yeah I think I was like 36 mid-30s and then you got a master's and now you're I mean you're now you're yeah. a psychotherapist now I'm 45. <laughs> I'm a oh, baby. Yeah. You know what I love about this job? The older you get, the better you get. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. So uh, I can't age out. Can you? Because now, <laughs> now I got I got stuck and I remembered that of the, what did you call it? Cuban Swiss is what? Swoobin. Yes, Swoobin. I want to hear about that. Please tell us what that nest was like growing <laughs> up. <laughs> That's an interesting nest, I think. My dad is Cuban and my mom is Swiss. So I feel that although I grew up for the most part here in Miami, it was more through the Swiss lens Uh in my home. Mm. Because of your mom. Yeah, because of my mom. I mean, my mom worked, but she worked in the school that my sister and I went to school Mm -hmm. at. And my dad worked and, you know, he worked for people and then he worked for himself. So he he was, you know, busy like like so many working parents, right? I mean, my sister and I, we kind of joke about it. You know, my sister looks more Swiss. She's blonde. Uh And I look more Cuban. (laughs) Um, But... People, I guess even us, we joke, like my sister has more the the Cuban character, if one would say that, and I have more of the Swiss character, whatever that means. What would what are they? But you like, guys what's talk the exactly the same. Yeah. I know we, we really sound, do. Yeah. We do. You sound, sound the exactly same. the same. It's yes. so freakish. <laughs> I'm the slower version. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. That's it. So basically, the I guess, you know, the stereotype is that the Cuban sort of louder, more passionate, more vocal, yeah. more expressive, more intense. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Swiss is more reserved and more quiet. And yeah, yeah, kind of that's. I would say that's it. I mean, you know, if we go to like extremes, it's the the Swiss are like very closed mm-hmm. and cold. Yeah, but that's an extreme. Yeah, you know, the flip side is the Cuban is very hot. Yes, you know, so it's interesting to navigate. Does she say that she was like Cubanized? You know, how some people aren't Cuban, but they live in Miami <laughs> for so long that they say they're Cubanized. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good question. I think. To a certain degree, you know, my mom, I think my mom is such an interesting person because she left Switzerland. Like my grandfather said that she had to do an internship 
um, because they, you know, they have the different education system. They don't really do university Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. much as the norm. They do like these practicums. So my mom wanted to work with animals. She wanted to work with horses. My grandfather was like, you got to do something practical (laughs) (laughs) and you have to do your internship. So she's like, okay. She said, you know, she sucked it up and did that. And then she left and she left, I think, first to the French part of Switzerland and then to France. And then she came to the U.S. and Mm -hmm. that was all working with horses and in a horse racing world. And had no idea. Yeah. And then she tired of that mm-hmm. and became a flight attendant. <gasps> wow. Oh my gosh. What made her do that to, to jump? travel? Or that to tra- travel. Oh, yeah. To that travel. makes sense. She wanted that sort of, I think, openness of America. And, you know, I mean, for any Swiss, like any Latin mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. attractive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's polar opposite. <laughs> It is like, it's exciting, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, and I've been thinking about it a lot, kind of listening to your podcast also, like how our nest, what our nest looks like, because our nest is not like your nest. But my mom has really kind of been instrumental in keeping us, and when I say us, I mean my sister and I, connected Mm -hmm. with our Swiss family You know, because my parents were in the airline industry, you know, in the 80s, we would fly for free and they would send us over to Switzerland to stay at our grandmother's house. I will say that I've heard that the airline industry in the 80s was a wild, wild (laughs) ride from many people. I think it was. Yeah. I think it was. I mean, working in the airline industry myself, I can only imagine. Yeah. Because they're very (laughs) wild westy. Yeah. Yes. And this was before, like, strict regulations. Yeah. It was because your mom and I must be around the same generation, right? Mm -hmm. And it was that industry, you know, and and flight attendants, it was sophisticated and, and adventurous and... And people cool. who did it were like that. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, actually, it, it was an exciting. It was a cool job. It to was have. a very mm-hmm. cool job yeah. to have uh, in many ways. And so um, we lost that somehow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, didn't Ogamari, my friend's mom was, wasn't Ogamari There were a lot of flight attendants. Yeah. 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 Oh, cool. yeah. It was exciting. That's wonderful that your mom did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Your mom lives with your sister. Yeah. And that's their nest. Yeah. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Yes. They have their nest mm-hmm. of my mom and my sister's family. Yeah. And I also remember being like going to school in your sister's class. And I was like, oh my God, they went to Switzerland in the summer. Like that was a really big deal when we were little. It's still yeah, a big deal. It's still a big deal. It was always like you guys went often from my memory. No, of, we went every of summer. Your life. We went every summer because it was cheap and yeah. they could park us over there. And, you know. That's awesome. And what an optic for you. Yeah. For you uh, girls, you know, to, to be here with all this helenge, right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Nikki, were you with me when we went with my aunt, Ingrid, who was a trip, and um, we went to Switzerland? And then yes. my Hello. aunt just well, drove. That was our, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, she was, she, my aunt 
is crazy, but she's, you know, amazing and crazy. But um, she dropped something on the floor. I would say drop in a nice way. She was essentially littering. The litter which bug. we yell <laughs> at her. She's a litter bug. bug. Yeah, she's a litter bug. Yeah. She's <laughs> she, she was littering. And I always yell at her. But anyway, over there, they really oh, yeah. were like, <gasps> oh, yeah. Like she had shot someone. For real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that yeah. because yeah. we work in the property management business and, and inherent in right. that is the fact that, that you know, we are in cons- involved in construction projects and supporting the management of the project, et cetera. And, um, and I know uh, for some reason how the Swiss work. If, if they do, so- you correct me if I'm wrong, but if they're doing anything, let's say they're doing a road construction or repair, it's like a operating room. Everything is cordoned off oh, yeah, yeah, perfectly. Yeah. And I don't know where, yeah, yeah. why I have that information in my being, but I do. And so I always mm-hmm. take that back to where I'm involved in a project and I see that these contractors come and they leave everything there. I says, listen, you have to do it the Swiss way. Even <laughs> our own colleagues. And I, I say, you that. have to do it. You have to, you have to put paper there. You have to protect somebody else's property. You, 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 it cannot right. be an eyesore. So that part of the, which I'm sure transfers into everything else Swiss, mm-hmm. uh, that type of aesthetic is 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 great. It's 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 a profound way of of if you you know look at it and think about it, it says a lot. Yes, and it can be very rigid. We have family in Switzerland, actually. Oh who, yeah, who moved there? We yeah. I've never been. I love to go. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's like a postcard. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You go in. I like. I entered our, our family. Our um, the Patty's home who lives there is it's like you she's like on a mountain and it's like the hills are alive <laughs> the sound of music <laughs> like literally everything oh, yeah, is yeah. like that it's insane yeah, yeah it was it was yeah. beautiful and then I was looking around and there was one it was spring I think when we went and so there was all, all the, the gardens. flowers in the gardens and yeah. then she was like they all have competitions about she's gardens. like they're very the competitive backyard. about their it's gardens <laughs> I was like is that real I mean, I could see it. I, it was obviously her her, her, neighborhood. her neighborhood. Yeah, I could see it in certain. The respects. competition was working. Christina, tell us in that nest of actually almost polar opposites. Could could we say that in certain ways? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In certain ways, absolutely polar opposites. But the way that they blended that was harmonious, right? From what I can see, yeah, yeah. at least the results were. Yeah, you yeah, and your yeah. sister. Yeah, I mean, my parents are not together anymore, but we had a a calm home, Mm -hmm. like I have to say. And there was, I think now even, given my understanding of psychology and development, I I really appreciate sort of that structure. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, my mom is not a rigid Swiss because otherwise she would have stayed in Switzerland. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like like some people are more rigid than others. She's maybe a little bit more structured than others in certain areas. And I do believe that that is really Mm -hmm. helpful or at least like I think about it from therapeutic terms. Yeah. 
Like the more that I learn and understand about creating a boundary, creating a structure that within this space, you are safe to explore. Mm-hmm. It's a sandbox, you yeah. know? And and that's sort of like what I think about also when you guys talk about your nest. I'm like, ah, this is the nest. And in this nest, everybody is free to be and explore and play and yeah. fight and disagree and all those things. But it's all within the safety of that nest. Yeah. The other really nasty thing I wanted to ask you, because you often post really yummy things that you make. Oh, (laughs) We had a whole food episode and you definitely cook and like to cook. And also you're with someone who owns a brewery. Yeah, What's it called? It's called Dangerous Minds Brewing Company. In yes. Pompano Beach. Dangerous Minds. It's yummy yeah. and tasty. Everyone go check it out. Yep. Yeah. Dangerous it's... Minds for created. The name is picked because of like forward thinkers. Like there's a IPA that is mm. named after Einstein, you know? So like Dangerous Minds in that respect. Awesome. Yeah. What's that like, that nest? Because I feel like with restaurants and bars it's like it's it's the community that comes in and out and the community that has the like that builds it it's not just one owner right oh no, no no there's there's two of them and that's interesting too yeah. because so my partner he's british and his partner his business partner is german wow so yeah so that's interesting <laughs> for sure they opened up a couple of months before covid so it's been a wild ride. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. But to kind of circle back to the cooking, the food thing, I feel like the food is so much the connection. And I also think that that food thing also becomes like an intuitive mm-hmm. healing yeah. kind of practice. Okay. On a commercial scale, not so much because <laughs> that's, it's it's tough. It's yeah. a lot of work. But like my partner, he loves to, when he has a day off, I mean, we have an absurd amount of cookbooks at home <laughs> between the two of us. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. And he will sit and he'll pick out recipes. And like that's his way to kind of de-stress. I mean, he loves mm-hmm. like to do a Sunday roast, you know, mm. British Wow. British style. How fun. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I mean, how fun. Yeah. No, I definitely scored in the wow. food department. And do oh you? Maybe, maybe both of you should write a cooking book together. With beer. Yeah, like a beer. A cooking beer pairing. Yeah, yes. that just oh my leaped God, yeah. into my head. I wondered, when I see the pizzas, I wonder if you have influence on them or if he mostly builds them. No, he mostly builds them. I mean, he'll say... Like, what do you think of this? But he has a very, very good understanding of, like, flavor. Yeah. And different, you know, flavor profiles. Mixing. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, yeah, we'll talk about, but I don't have any, you know, particular influence. I mean, you know, if I'll say, like, oh, why don't you do this? And, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. add this. And he'll be like, oh, that sounds good, (laughs) you know. It's like that. (laughs) But, you know, I was reading a book recently about, it was the history of healing. 
The Hidden History of Healing, which is written That's by, like, cool. an anthropologist. It's fascinating. And um, and it talks a lot about sort of these healing practices from Europe, because I was kind of, in particular, curious about, like, what are the practices of my ancestors, right? Because mm-hmm. I've been mm-hmm. into, like, the yoga, the sort of the Eastern stuff. But I'm like, what is... What is the healing of my people? Yeah. You know, and it's herbalism mm-hmm. and it's cooking and it's knitting and it's, you yeah. know, caring. And it really, that's cross-cultural. That's not mm-hmm. anything in particular to necessarily kind of central Western Europe, which is where yeah, I come from. But yeah. cooking is such a big part of that. And I think that that's why so many people have found so much refuge mm-hmm. in the last year and a half, two oh, yeah. years yes. with cooking and baking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Talking about intuition, I just want to bring this up, which I did via text for all of us. Um, and that's something that uh, I, I want. There's a, mo- a documentary out called Rescue. Oh, I listened to the the interview. It's about these boys that were trapped with their coach in um, in an underground cave. Yeah, mm. in Where? Thailand. Oh. In Thailand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, mom, mom sent us a thing, but I didn't get a chance to see oh, it. Oh, I obviously missed. I think I heard that it's in the movie theaters. Is this so? How old are these I'm gonna boys? see it now. Obviously, they're ten years old. Oh, yeah, wow. they were a soccer team right. a couple of years ago, and so there's this. I don't remember the name of the woman, but it's a couple. Jimmy Chin, who is like this famous photographer, mm-hmm. filmmaker, mountaineering kind of guy. He made the film with his partner, who is also like a very acclaimed filmmaker. And yes, it is about this soccer team. The reason that I that it it struck besides the miraculous thing and heroic thing they did, which you know they saved those kids and their coach, it's that actually the doctor that they called, who's also a diver, because they had to go underwater to, oh. to rescue these kids, um, they had a really outrageous idea yeah to rescue them because yeah. it was a very almost impossible rescue and this is all i'm going to say it said they really did something very risky but they felt that this was what was going to work we're talking life and death here no no yeah. we're not oh talking God. about <gasps> what career or you know um and it was to anesthetize the boys oh one by one. So they would freak out underwater or so anesthetize them and take them underwater, uh, dive with them, poop out the other way. Wow. And they did that. But the, the, the interesting and the amazing thing is it was their instinct, their intuition. It was completely outrageous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they rolled with it yeah, and they cool. saved their lives so i just want to say that because i always now that i'm older and i always say this it was easier for me before mm-hmm. when i was younger i would mm-hmm. have a situation in front of me sometimes very serious sometimes not so serious 
oops, yes, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I think it's right. Boom, I well, did it. Now um, I process. And- I forgot to tell you that there's people that are texting me. At, they just send me because I post about this stuff. Otherwise, they would send it to you guys. But they post a lot about uh, that that you're saying, especially older women that miss their intuition. Mm-hmm. So it's very clear that there's something that's happening specifically mm-hmm. to women in the in-between. So I forgot to tell you that. but oh, I was, that's so interesting because yeah. I know that it happens to me. It's happening to me. It was, And I remember back then when I was very, they used to say, they still do say that I'm so impulsive. And I don't mm-hmm. think that. Uh, actually, I think that um, before I had, you know, I had a situation, it leaped into my head and I was sure, I was sure. And many times it was the opposite of whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's funny because. Done. So I think that as women, I don't know, Christina, you know so much more than me. I'm just talking know. from my experience from as women, as as we continue, I was more. I guess rebellious when mm-hmm. I was younger, and I had certain other people then in my way. That I, mean, that, I, I think, think when you're younger, you also have less fear. Like you yeah. just do stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? You yeah. just do stuff without thinking of all the repercussions or right. all the everything yeah. that could happen. Yeah, it's true. You know, you just kind of as do a stuff. human. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. In general, as a human. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like now I'm actively working to reconnect and expand more sort of my relationship with my intuition. I think that when I was younger, I was more kind of restricted by what I thought I should do. Mm-hmm. The opposite mm-hmm. of me. Yeah. How interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah. Can I... Um, Ask out, you, know, you don't need I, well, to ask. First, it looks like you were, you were, you might were going to read something potentially. But the other thing, I don't know if if you want to read something, mm-hmm. but also to lead us out, yeah. it would be amazing mm-hmm. to have some kind of very short, like meditation or oh, something. Sure. Yeah, um, totally. that our listeners could do too. Yeah. you know, a couple minutes mm-hmm. or something that so that we can we can leave on this like super. Super good vibe. Were you going to read some? Well, I I was looking at, you know, because I'm I'm a student, so. Yeah, I, I was, we all are. I wanted to be a little prepared. <laughs> There's a book that I really love, and it sparked a lot of this sort of, or encouraged more of this, like, journey of intuition and looking and seeking and whatever. It's called Medicine Woman mm-hmm. by Lucy H. Pierce. I think it's an amazing book. I think every woman should read it. But she talks about something in particular related to midlife. And I thought that this was interesting. She says, so midlife is a powerful energetic transition and that there are two major windows for transformation in women. And it's sort of that late adolescence through mid-20s and then that sort of late 30s, 40s. And the transit from the fertile woman working, caring, birthing, nurturing, to the role of the wise woman, the queen and the crone. Hmm. 
And she says that these transitions are rarely acknowledged, let alone marked, supported, or given time, space, or guidance. But our souls don't care. They are demanding it through our bodies. So I just think that, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm getting older too and mm-hmm. I'm investigating these questions in my own life and I'm seeing it, you know, with a lot of my my clients as well, mm-hmm. be it older or younger, what have you, but there's something in the ether, yeah. I think, that is like what are these different roles that we are playing as women mm-hmm. and especially as we get older, can we kind of dive in, hone that intuitive knowledge, that wisdom, that knowing that is there. Mm-hmm. And how do we do that? It's like, I think we need to make space for that. Yeah, And it's maybe like so many of the obligations that we have that mm-hmm. obscure mm-hmm. that. Yeah. That we have and that we choose. Right. Um, and I want to validate that yeah. only from my own personal experience. I've had two times in my life where I did things that were a hundred percent and absolutely intuitive, which was early twenties when I had the girls and Mm -hmm. twenties as they were growing up and all the decisions that I had to make that were crazy during that time of child rearing. And also then in my, uh, when I was 37, Mm -hmm. 38, Mm -hmm. uh, I made a very big life decision. Yeah. Uh, and so that changed my life. Um, and so that's yeah. very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I did it without much thought. Mm-hmm. It's just well, oh, or yeah. all the accumulated thought. Yes, yes, true. true. Um, all right. So let's it's make some space. Yes. Yeah. Let's let's have some. <laughs> How do we move zen. the chessboard, right? Okay. <laughs> all right. I'm gonna let. I'm gonna give it to Christina to take us out of this. Um, this okay. Today. So I would say let's just take a big deep breath. Inhale through your nose, and exhale through your mouth. And again, just inhale and exhale, and just begin to orient. And notice the parts of your body that are touching either the ground or the seat underneath you. Noticing where your body feels supported. And as you exhale, let your body release. Feel supported as if the earth is coming up to meet you and your body can relax and let go in this moment. And with every inhalation, think about making space. So imagining your ribcage expanding, your lungs expanding, your muscles expanding. And with every exhalation, relax into that space. Making space with every inhalation 
and releasing with every exhalation. And just notice what you feel in your body. Any physical sensations, any emotional sensations, just allowing them to be passing through you like clouds in a bright blue sky. And orienting your mental view to the spaciousness of the blue sky. Expansive and clear. Breathing in that space. And as you exhale, just releasing, letting go. Taking a few more breaths here, breathing in and breathing out. And you can slowly bring some awareness back to your body. Wiggling your fingers and your toes. Making maybe circles with your wrists and ankles. And if it feels good, you can stretch your arms over your head like a big morning stretch. Take a big deep breath in. And breathe out. And that's it. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> We're very relaxed now. Yeah, Thank you for joining us. Thanks for Thank having you. me. It was such an honor. Oh. I love you guys so much, oh. all three of you. We love you too. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And we'll catch the rest of you next week. Bye. Or no, just kidding, in two weeks. Yes. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. With all of your success, she says, all the great things ahead. I'll be here when it's time to see you again. And if you fall, she says, if someone breaks your heart, I'll mend your wounds in this nest of ours till you're ready to depart.